Welcome everyone to the Psychic Wives Podcast with Ginger Hendry, Jerry Carabin, and Kathy Rumsey. Here we discuss all things energetic, spiritual, intuitive, and yes, psychic. You'll learn about things like Reiki, animal communication, mediumship, or maybe just how to manage your energy on a daily basis. We'd like this to be a place where you can come to open your mind and allow yourself to create a better version of you. It's all about everyday living with a twist. everybody and welcome to this episode of the psychic wives i'm ginger hendry i'm kathy rumsey and i am jerry carabin and we are really excited today we have a great guest um who um is dr kevin ross emery who is a spiritual catalyst and we're going to talk about what that means and um i'm going to just introduce kevin (laughs) kevin you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and then we're going to get going uh sure so uh the I'm gonna give you the the broadband and then let you pick it what you want. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I first got talked to about about being psychic when I was four years old. I started doing professional psychic work in the seventies uh, when I was sixteen, and I've had my own full time spiritual business for thirty three years now, going on to thirty four, uh, coming up this January. Uh, I have had two different TV shows. I currently have a podcast and a radio show for 18 years, The Dr. Kevin Show. Uh, and I have 24 books on the market. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so, you're busy. busy. You've been very busy. Poured, <laughs> poured out of my mind. Poured out of your mind. <laughs> well, we're thrilled to have you because of that kind of a background. And we were just chatting quickly before we started that, you know, we have a lot of guests that come on, luckily. And, and uh, we all, the three of us have been working together for a while. Um, but nobody has sort of the depth of experience that you have in all different ways. So we're going to really try to corral in <laughs> um, so that we give great. Yeah, a great experience. I just wanted to ask, you said starting at four. So can you tell me at four what? So when I was four years old, I was playing a game with my grandmother. And I told her what she looked like when she was my age, how she wore her hair. I told her the name of her best friend. And I sang the song that they used to sing when they played together. Wow. Uh, and my grandmother sat me down and she said, Kevin, you have a gift. And it's a gift from God. But people will tell you that it's bad or that it's wrong or that they don't believe you. But as long as you know it's a gift from God, everything will be okay. Wow. Wow. I love your grandmother. I do too. Was your grandmother, do you think your grandmother had the gift as well? Oh, oh, oh. It didn't run in my family. It galloped. Um, so it was several years later. And, and so I do want to, I do want to make this little point. So my grandmother at that point actually wanted to make sure, cause I was four. I mean, I think I was like maybe two months before my fifth birthday, but whatever, but that it stayed with me mm. and she kind of envisioned the problems that I was headed into being such, such a psychic child. And so she gave me not one, but two hot homemade chocolate donuts and my own plate of sugar as a reward that any four-year-old 
would immediately recognize that anybody that told me this was bad, I would never believe them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for grandmothers. No kidding. Um, years after she died, she also was my first real mediumship experience because when she died, when I was eight, um, she came to the end of my bed. She told me that she had passed on, that I still needed her and I would still be there for her and she would still be there for me. Mm-hmm. And my mother came in the next morning and this was actually my father's mother, but, um, and they were divorced at that point, but she still was very fond of my grandmother and she was crying and she said, your grandmother died last night. And I said, okay, what's mm-hmm. for, what's for breakfast. <laughs> and I know that my mother walked out of that room thinking he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand death, but I clearly remember sitting there thinking mommy doesn't get it. Grammy hasn't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I was eight when I realized that death was just a transition. Mm-hmm. And and did I miss my grandmother's hot homemade chocolate donuts to this day? <laughs> at my hips, I still carry a memento of them. <laughs> <laughs> but so so and I found out years later uh, when I started this full time business, the family. My father's side of the family, uh, particularly Papa, who was what I call my father, or called my father, he's passed on now as well. Um, Papa uh, basically let the cat out of the bag. My grandmother had been a premier medium in Camp Etna when she was 16 years old. At that time, it was Camp Etna was actually bigger than Lilydale. Because mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about the turn of the century before, you know, like the last century. So... Um, <laughs> And that I had aunt, an aunt that had been used um, as a psychic by the state police in very difficult cases. I had another aunt that did ghost clearings, would, would clear energy and clear ghosts and pass them on. Um, and I went on years later to find out about some also stories on my mother's side. So I got it from from both ways. So yeah. but so that was the, that's the beginning story. So when that. when did you start your business and what did what did you start as so i mean the first dollars i took the first time i worked as a professional psychic i was 16 okay. i wouldn't say it started my business right you want me to talk about when i started my business or you want me to talk about that 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah so um so i was part of the new england traveling psychics um and i th- think this is very important so we're talking 1976 1977 is the time frame. Um, I had had a woman, an, uh, an older woman who worked at the bank with me. I worked at a place called the Manchester Bank. It's no longer in existence. This is Manchester, New Hampshire. Not a liberal or what one would consider an ultra spiritual place to uh, be. And she actually uh, stopped me one day. I was working during the summer, so I was working full time. I, I was I, I was always a worker, uh, and she really she looked at my palm and she asked for my birth date and could I get my birth time and she asked me a couple of more questions and she came back to me at that point and said, "You are here to be a worldwide spiritual leader. This is what you're here to do. I want to be and I want to be one of the first people that works with you to help put you on that." Wow. And Fran, Fran Baldeck, who uh, my book, Combing the Mirror, is dedicated to, did metaphysical stew Sundays. Uh, <laughs> this is the 70s. 
no internet, no computer. She had wall-to-wall books of every spiritual book she could get her hands on. Hmm. And I would go as many Sundays as I could over to her house. She would feed me and I would sit with people. I was 16, 17 years old. I was sitting with people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who had been studying spirituality and metaphysical metaphysical stuff for years, decades. And they would have a different spiritual topic. And I would get quiet and I would see what I heard in my head and I'd start throwing things in. And I, I, knew, I, I knew no fear. And so she made the introduction and that's how I got uh, invited to do go to uh, participate in an event by the New England Traveling Psychics. And we did a, an event in the Mall of New Hampshire in Manchester. I sat at a table. Somebody basically paid money to sit across from me. They went, uh, you know, I got quiet. I didn't I didn't know any of the things I teach now because I've been teaching psychic development courses for over 30 years. But I just would close my mind. I kind of be like, okay, what do you want him to know? What do you want him to know? Mm-hmm. I used to talk directly to God in my head all the time. I never thought of that's what I was doing. Be like, what do you want him? To, what do you want him to know? And I go, blah, 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 blah. And I just vomit it. <laughs> and people would look at me and go, that's amazing. And then I'd get paid and I'd go, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hooked. Um, and so that's how I got into there. Um, one of the things about that part of the journey, though, was Fran started giving me books she wanted me to read. Now, I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm now a senior in high school because I graduated early. Uh, and I, at that point, had a, a girlfriend and was in school and was working as many hours as I could because I was saving for my to pay for my own college education. You think I had time to read extra metaphysical books? Yeah, not really. <laughs> I'd put, I'd, I would put them beside me. I'd put them on the pile of books I wanted to get to. And I would go back and one week we did she was doing Edgar Casey, mm. and I got really quiet and I closed my eyes and I will always remember this moment ladies I closed my eyes and I saw Atlantis mm. and I'm describing what it looked like I'm st- I still get chills to this day you know 50 years later or 40 years later I still get chills because I would see this and I described this beautiful place that I saw and all the things that were going on. And literally I opened my eyes and tears were rolling down my eyes. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then I look and I, and I look at Fran and, and I'm feeling so emotional because it's like, I not only opened up to the visual, but I opened up to the energy of Atlantis. And I was like, it's like, oh my God, what is this place? What is Atlantis? And she looked at me and she goes, haven't you been reading the books? I've been taught <laughs> you. And I was like, uh, well, I, I meant to. <laughs> and she goes, you did descriptions that very much align with Edgar Casey, some mm. of the Edgar Casey stuff. And I hadn't read any of it. And then she said, you are in that way, like Edgar Casey, because he would put books underneath his pillow and he'd wake up and he'd have 
the knowledge he needed out of, which I didn't know at the time. Oh, that's cool. And I got my first, what I call my first metaphysical nickname, which was you little shit. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, because you can do it and they couldn't. Well, that they had to read all of these books. Got it. Got <laughs> it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and I'm just going to put a PS on this story and then I will stop monopolizing and let you ask another question. <laughs> so years later, when I started my spiritual business, I actually, um, as I was in the throes of shifting out of the corporate world where I had been for 12 years um, and got all my early degrees and stuff like this. And I had gone to the Association for Research and Enlightenment, ARE in Virginia Beach. And I was having a little bit of a crisis at that point. And I was in there and I was sitting there in the library surrounded by the Edgar Casey stuff. If you've never been, it's at least I haven't been there for years now, but it was truly beautiful at the time. Um, and you met the most fascinating people from all over the world who just came in and would just do pop-up lectures. In the big, in the big auditorium room, uh, like the big uh, lobby, it was a lobby. It wasn't even an auditorium; it was a lobby, big, huge lobby. And somebody would suddenly start talking about all of these different things, from based on their religions and their backgrounds and the the ancient text and all of this stuff, out of nowhere, nothing scheduled. You, you could just go and sit there, and things would happen. And I was sitting there, and this woman came over, and she looked at me, and she goes, "You have Edgar's eyes." Mm-hmm. And before that, I always heard I had my grandmother's eyes, like my my grandmother, like, and I had the exact same shade of blue and my father had a different shade of blue. And, but I had my grandmother's eyes. But she looked, she goes, you have Edgar's eyes. Hmm. And I was like, oh, thank you. And she's <laughs> like, and she goes, tell me why you're here. And I said, well, I have this, I know I have these gifts. And I told her what my grandmother told me. And I said, and I feel, and I really feel like I've been called to do something with them in the world. I said, but I struggle with if these were gifts given to me by God, how can I go out and ask people to pay me for God's gifts? Because I had a business background at that point. I had all of these things in place. And she said, you know, Edgar struggled with the same thing. He would talk to me about it. And I said to her, and and she said, let me tell you, let me ask you this question, she said. This woman had to be in her 90s. And she was like, who is your favorite singer? And I said, Barbara Streisand. Do you think her voice is a gift from God? And I said, yeah. She goes, do you have a problem when you have to, when you buy an album or right. see a movie? Do you have a problem paying? No. Do you, do you resent that she gets paid for singing? I said, no, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. That's where Edgar had to come to at the end of it. Yeah. That's then, a great, yeah, great way of looking at it. Absolutely. And she got up and she left and somebody came over to me that was on the staff and they said, do you know who that is? And I said, no, and she said, that's May St. Clair. That was Edgar Casey's last secretary, personal assistant, that was with him when he died. Mm. Never comes out anymore. She never talks to anybody. She just stays here and goes through the information to make sure it's as accurate as it's supposed to be. She goes, the staff person, you're the first person I've seen her talk to in months, if not years. Wow. So I've probably over answered your question. 
I will never <laughs> No, I just think it's so interesting. And to have started that long ago and stayed on, you know, stayed on track because even, you know, 10 years ago, there was a kind of like a woo-woo kind of feeling. Um, and we've all talked about it sort of, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and telling people what you do um, because not everybody believes in it. But to have done that at your age back in that day, I wish I knew you then. I could, I would have come for readings in the seventies. <laughs> um, I think that's awesome. So what, what did, um, sorry, you were about to say something, Dr. Kevin, go ahead. No, no, ask your question, please. Uh, no, I was gonna say, I was gonna say so cause I wanna get to all the little, we wanna get to all the little cause you do a lot of stuff. Um, so I kinda, let's continue on the path of, okay, now we know that you're okay with accepting payment for what you do. And so when did you leave the corporate world or okay. was there a transition within or how did that work out? So here is my message to your viewers. Don't be doing things as a young adult and as an adult to please your mother. There you go. Get rid of that dysfunction. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because, you know, I think I was getting... I think I was getting paid $25 for a half an hour reading back then. And so I was basically making $50 an hour, which is more than either one of my parents were making an hour. This is the 70s. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, to please my mother, I kind of went to college. And, and well, and I went to college because I wanted to go to college. I don't get that wrong. But I studied business. I got degrees in business and psychology. I had a real job that she could talk about and feel good about and brag about. <laughs> and then I had a life-changing experience in Norfolk, Virginia, when I, I when I was I just just early into turning. I had just turned thirty, actually, so I was just in my thirtieth year, and I had created success in the business world. I had a car phone when they were like this big and they, <laughs> yeah. and I had an office. I had a secretary. I just landed some big deals. I was getting ready for a promotion with American Express. I was successful and I wasn't happy. And I went into an inner journey of going to, I, I'm a multi-generational Unitarian Universalist. In fact, one grandmother was Unitarian, one grandmother was Universalist, and they started their talks about becoming one church the year I was born. So go figure, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I was the child. <laughs> Don't tell them that. No. Um, so uh, I went to the Unitarian Universalist Church in Norfolk, um, and they had a woman's drumming as the sermon that day. The whole church, the whole service was about these women coming in there was like 12 women that come in and they did drumming as their spiritual path, as their spiritual path of empowerment and enlightenment. It's now 1990. We still don't really have the internet. I mean, computers are a little bit more, but still not very much. And I sat there in my car before I went into the service and I said, okay, God, I'm not happy. This life is not working for me. You show me what to do and I'm going to do it because I, I, I can't do this anymore. Hmm. Done. Tell mm -hmm. me what you want me to do. And I, and I went in and I sat there and I watched this woman's drumming circle 
up in the front of the church. And it was really powerful and it really had, it really moved me, but it didn't give me an answer. And then I made sure I was basically like the last person in the church to thank these 12 women. And I went up to the first woman and I went to thank her and I grabbed her hands. And as soon as I grabbed her hands, I started vomiting psychic messages to her. Mm -hmm. oh, and wow. I left her in tears. I did that for every one of the 12 women. Here's your sign. <laughs> and the heal, you know, and they all found healing. They were all thanking me. They were all. And I had a couple of other little signs. I I used to hang out at a shop that that offered psychic readings and people would keep on coming in and want to book readings with me. And I was just a friend of the owner and I wasn't doing them at that point. And she kept on getting upset with me because it was they want readings with you. I'm like, I don't do readings anymore. Well, then shut up and stop giving them <laughs> psychic information while they're in the store because <laughs> they don't want to book with the reader that's here. They want to book with you. I ignored that one, you know, <laughs> an increasing set of messages. But this one I couldn't ignore. I went back into my car. I sat there and I and I heard it was time to go home to my roots. I needed to return to my roots. And I and all I could think of was that meant my grandmother telling me when I was four that I had this gift from God. Mm -hmm. And so after about what was 12 plus years in the corporate world, success, degrees and everything, I went in and to this, I, I, I don't know how many minutes, hours or days, but my, my vice president that I had to go in and quit for, who completely understood that the salesman is what is bought. And I was working for American Express. I had landed a huge contract. They had bought me. And he, as, as one of the best salesmen I ever met, was going to sell me into staying. Mm. And I went in to leave because he didn't know if the contract would survive transferring it to somebody else. And he said, well, tell me about your offer. Tell me what you're leaving to do. Let's talk about <laughs> it. I could see him going in. Uh -huh. He said, where are you going to work? And I said, I'm going to go work for God. It's hard to top. And then there were what he came up with. And he said, good luck. And it was over. Yeah. And that's how my business, that's how my business started. Wow. Wow. And I want to, I'm going to make a comment if I may, to, to build on something that Ginger said um, a little earlier. So it's 1990. I moved back to my home area because I'm living in Virginia. I go back to my home area where my roots are. Um, and I tell, uh, and and as I'm coming back, I'm contacting to all the people I know that are in spiritual metaphysical communities, my friends, stuff like this. And I tell them the story of I'm coming back to make a full-time living as a spiritual practitioner. And almost bar none. There was a couple of sessions, but everybody else said nobody makes a living as a spiritual practitioner. Nobody, they either have another job or they have a spouse that supports them. Nobody makes a living from being a spiritual practitioner. If I heard that once, I heard it a dozen times when I showed up and I looked at everybody and I did this. I went, you, God, you, God, mm. I'll tell you what, God lets me down. I'll come back and see what you think. Mm. And I 
started doing work at that shop. That woman took me in a heartbeat to start doing psychic readings. I met the woman that became my first spiritual business partner, and uh, I called her my spiritual wife for years. Uh, and I and I sat down with her, and we decided that we would start our first spiritual business together. We called it Spiritual Concepts. Actually, the first name was New Moon Visionaries, and then it was Spiritual Concepts. And I looked at her, and I said, in nine months, and I said, in a year, we will have an office in downtown Portsmouth, we will have somebody checking in our clients, a waiting area. I said, I am not having a flashing neon palm on a back alley like I have any shame about <laughs> what I am doing. I am just as professional and legitimate as any other professional. That's awesome. And she was like, I'm all for it. Stuff like this. She told me years later, she goes, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this poor boy. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. Nine months later, we signed the lease on one middle street in downtown Portsmouth with an answering service, with a front desk receptionist. I was with lawyers and architects and, and everybody else with these professionals. And, this, and we had an office space there. By that point, we were spiritual concepts and I have never looked back. Awesome. Bravo. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So, so what, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ginger. No, 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 it's just I, probably the same question you have. So I'll let you go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, okay, so what was the, was it, you know, because I know like if you go to your website and of course everybody, all of Dr. Kevin's information is going to be on our website. So you can find his uh, websites and what he offers and everything. But what was the, he, so he offers like a bunch of different things. So what was the first thing? Was it just basically readings? So the very first thing um, that I offered were readings okay. and readings for me. And I used to say this, in fact, I I got yelled at a couple of times for saying this. And I know I said it to at least one of you when we were talking and I, I to be honest, readings go in and out of my head. If I'm doing spiritual development, coaching catalyst work with people, I have file cabinets in my head for them, but readings in out, I don't hold on to them. But I know I said this to at least one of you um, is when I first started, I was really clear. I did my first ghost clearing. My my first ghost clearing was 18. It's a great ghost story. We don't have time for it today. But this is exactly how, when I started my psychic work, I was like, all I did was say, God, can I do this? Should I do this? Do you want me to do this? Done. That was it. It was so clean. It was so simple. And I would go in and I would sit down with people and I would say, and, and, and I would say, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you the information as I get it that you need to know. And with whatever time we have left, you can ask questions. And people sometimes would be like, well, I really have an important question. I said, well, great, we'll get to it. I, well, I really want to, I said, that's fine. And, and, and sooner or later, if they put you again, look, I'm here to tell you what God wants you to know. Shut up and listen. And then you can ask the questions you want. Because I don't really care what you want to know. I care about what God wants you to know. Love clear? that. And let me tell you, that's one of the things that we, the three of us were all really like, oh, that's kind of cool um, that we've all listeners. We've all had sessions with Dr. Kevin and you basically get on and you're like, hi, how are you? Good, good. Bam. And it's just he like you said before, pukes out of his mouth of <laughs> stuff. You don't 
You're not like, well, I kind of feel no. You you're just sitting there scribbling notes furiously while he's just bam, 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 bam. And it's really kind of an interesting way to go about it. It was really, uh, you know, almost in some aspects, I found it was almost like refreshing. Like, oh, wow, I just have to sit here and listen. Sweet. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to, you know, well, I kind of feel, you know, I mean, that's, you know, for not that you don't offer that type of stuff coaching as well, but, and, and so you'll all see that when you look at his website, there's a couple of different versions of help that he does offer, but uh, we were all kind of, we thought that was pretty cool. You know. Thank you. I, so I have to. So if I may share this yeah. story of how I, I got my second metaphysical nickname, which was the psychic sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> so I am like a year or more. I'm, I'm like almost a year into having that downtown office in Portsmouth. And I learned things very quickly. And I'm actually going to be teaching a class in October about growing your spiritual business um, at a shop I'm doing work at in um, Westboro, Mass. And so I'm I'm going to try to help people that actually want to make a living as a spiritual person, show them how to do this. Um, but I'm living the dream. I'm doing this. Uh, I learned early on that I, I did not, it was not in me to support anything that created altar building or codependency. And that you can drag, if you start doing spiritual work, you will call every energy leech and psychic vampire from 500 miles around to come feed off of you. Mm-hmm. You will have people that will say you're the most wonderful person in the world until they set you up to be the person who has yet again portrayed them because this is the pattern in their mind and life and that you're going to be their latest villain. And I've said to people, if you need to make me your latest villain, honey, you go ahead. Better people have done it. I don't really give a shit. Pay the bill and leave. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, <laughs> So you have to have some chutzpah if you're going to do the Dr. Kevin version of building a spirit <laughs> set. So I'm in here. I have this guy. He makes an appointment. Whatever. Comes in for a psychic reading. His aunt wants to talk to him. And mediumship is one of the things they do, obviously. I talk to dead people. I talk to them all the time. They're more interested in live ones sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm talking to this aunt, and he's trying to, like, circumvent, and he's trying to do sideshow psychic questions with me. And I don't do sideshow psychic questions. I'm, like, I'm not going to do so. I'm, I'm not going to ask you a question to prove to you that I know something that you already know. That's a waste of my time and your money. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. And I have literally said to people that when I get hired out to do like psychic reading parties or stuff, I say at the beginning, the first time you ask me a um, a prove to me your psychic question, what I call a sideshow psychic question, the session is over. You don't get your money back. You just mm-hmm. get asked to leave. Are we really clear? Because if you come to me and say, how many children did I have? Honey, if you don't right. know how many kids passed through your legs, you need <laughs> your husband a psychic to give you. Okay? I am not playing that game. I am a professional and I am good at what I do and you will treat me as such or I'll just cash your check and end your session. I don't care. So this guy comes in and I was just, and his aunt kept coming in and kept on telling him about how he needed to redirect his life. And I wouldn't let him off there. And I kept on asking him questions and I could, I could see he was really getting flustered. Right. 
because I was in charge of the session. You mm -hmm. hired me as the professional. You don't go in and tell the lawyer about the law. You don't go in and tell the doctor about the health. If you come to me as a medical intuitive, work I also do, then it's also going to be, I'm going to tell you the energy of what's going on. You, you get to go to the other people. I don't ever pretend to be a medical doctor, but you ask for my medical intuitive. I'm going to give it to you. Mm. So he finishes that. At the end, he goes, I have to tell you, the session's over. He goes, I am a reporter for the local newspaper. And I came here to do an article on how psychics are scam artists. <laughs> and you you are the most, like almost one of the most well-known psychics in the area. And I wasn't the most well-known, but I was one of the most well-known psychics in the area, which was true. And I say, he said, so I came so I could do this article about how you just, you know, got information out of people and then fed them back to them and blah, 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 blah. And he said, but I'm going to write a very different article now. And I'd like to have my photographer come and take pictures. I'm going to talk to my editor. I wanted to now go into the Sunday paper. And they did a whole section on how I made him now believe that psych that there were legit wow. psychics wow. in the psychic areas. But in it, he called me a psychic sledgehammer. <laughs> that's I, I like I said. That's like that's that tracks. It's a good nickname for you, Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so Kevin is usually usually we have a guest on, and then we all go. Oh, we need to make an appointment with this person. You're the opposite. We all had a reading with you within I don't know a week and a half of each other. Right. And we're like, we have to get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Because so, you do have a different, you do have a, a different, um, how do you say it? There's, it's, it's a very one, and I, it's phenomenal. I had a 30 minute reading with you and I have like five pages of notes. I mean, it's, it's incredible that just the, you're not exaggerating when you say you're just, you're vomiting out information. You're like barely coming up for air, but that's if you ask me what people should want in a reading, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be struggling for things to talk about or for information to come through. So, and there's a couple of things here because I've actually done through the years articles and then I've actually done some YouTube videos on like how to get the best psychic reading, how to, how to do that. And I do tell people, I go, I'm going to give you the 5,000 view version. I also try to, as much as I can, at the core, I'm an educator and a teacher that tries to empower with everything I do. And that was a huge discussion that at some other point we can talk about because I, because there was a big conversation whether I was a healer who taught or a teacher who heals. Oh, and, and I think that's a fascinating conversation that the four of us could have at some point in a future podcast because I think people need to hear it. Um, but that's just me. I'm an egomaniac. So, uh, <laughs> but in this case... I feel as though um, I try to educate people and go, spirit is going to ask the, answer the question you ask. Sometimes I will say, I can answer that question, but that's not really what you want to know. Can you ask me a different question? Because this is not what you want to know. This is setting you up for you to hear what you want to hear. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I've taught a number of people through the years to become professional psychics. And I'm going to say this. And it probably is going to to negate me ever getting an invitation back. But I've taken a few psychics out that I thought were 
that, that I knew were doing damage. Yeah. I confronted some people that said, you need to learn what damage you are doing to people by the way you are misusing your psychic gifts. I got yeah. one girl to literally close down in my town because she was she was hurting so many people. Wow. And I feel that people that know what they're doing, I feel, feel that people have a responsibility when they reach the kind of levels that people like you and I do reach, that we have as much responsibility to call out people that are doing damage in the spiritual community in a centered, thoughtful way. I mean, and I said to her, I, she even, uh, she actually came to, to study with me a little bit because I said, I'm happy to help you take your, your powerful psychic gifts and show you how not to use them in a way that's abusive to your clients. Mm -hmm. I can do that. But so many people come in with the gift and they do no training. They don't have mentors. They don't go and understand what are the universal cosmic laws? How can I think about this? What do I need to do? Where am I going to get myself in trouble? Where am I? I mean, I got myself in trouble in my early in, in my early 20s, my late teens, because at some point I realized that if the person was too close to me, my intention was wanting to make them happy, not getting them what they needed to hear. And as soon as I learned that, even in all my personal relationships, I started saying to people, whether they were friends or lovers, I was like, do not ask questions you do not want answers to. Mm -hmm. If you ask me, I'm going to tell you. I will tell you. If you don't want to know, it's okay, but don't ask me. Because when I saw the damage I was accidentally doing, because my, my subconscious intention was wanting to make these people happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I watched new psychics come in and they want to impress people. Mm -hmm. They want to prove. If you need to prove, if you need your clients to prove to you you're psychic, you sh you're not at a level of a professional yet. Right. Yeah. Stop. There are steps you can take. There are ways you can build that. But if you're out there needing approval, needing to have somebody else prove to you that you're psychic, needing to please people, you have issues with conflict or speaking a truth that people aren't going to like, don't be putting yourself out as a professional psychic. You right. are doing damage in the world. Right. Yeah. You cannot invite me now from coming back. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's true. Yeah. No, so it's, it's what so needs we, to be heard. Yeah, we've all talked about, okay, so we just talked about that where, you know, you get a session with Dr. Kevin, he just like, blah, like this. And it's it's really, boom, you know, you're like, holy crap, a half an hour just went by. You know what I mean? And you're like struggling. And like Kathy said, taking five pages of notes or whatever. So then, so that's what what you, you, that's one of the things you offer is this psychic reading, but you also do coaching. Like, okay, so suppose I come to you and you gave me all this stuff that I get to think about. And now I'm like, okay, I got it. I need help moving in the right direction. You offer coaching okay. as well. So it's, so I call it spiritual counseling, coaching and okay. catalyst work. Okay, and I'm going to break that down. Yeah. So first of all, my doctorate's in divinity, okay. which is the nature of the spirit of man. What moved man out of the cave, over the waters, up into the air? What makes man always need to evolve? And, and, and the reason I talk, and this is a doctorate in divinity, because it is our inherent missive as souls to work ourselves to being a greater part of 
whatever we see as the divine. Yeah. And so um, when I work with people, I do all three simultaneously in a way. It's like a, a braided cord. You come in and if you've had a psychic reading with me um, and you say, I have these issues I want to work at, we take those issues down. You fill out a 10 or 12 page intake. I'm not sure how many pages it is now, but I do a full intake. And I'm like, I am, this is not a series of me going, oh, let me see, what can I get about this? Ah, okay. Um, you know, there are plenty of sideshow psychics out there if that's what you want. And they'll take your money gladly. So I'm doing hardcore work with you now. I'm going into whatever door you opened, but I let you know there's a clear set of rules that I'm going to go into whatever door we're drawn. So if we go in through the physical because you're dealing with a degenerative or a terminal illness, and these are the people I usually draw, people that, you know, that need a very deep level of energy work that is core work at the DNA cellular level of moving switches or changing things or doing stuff like that, I can do that. It may be the mental belief systems, the lies that you took as truths that you don't even realize you did anymore. That That is the intellectual part of the inner child work I do is what do you believe that you don't even know you believe that is making the decisions that is leading you to the place where you're not living the life you need to live? Woo! I'm putting things in perspective <laughs> of your emotional, of what, what did these intellectual belief systems create in this emotional reality of yours that then makes your emotional reality not in alignment with actually who you are. And we can change feelings, but we change feelings through the intellect of what was the intellectual belief system or experience that you could not interpret as a child that we now need to make sure that we get you to interpret as an adult, shift as an adult, go back and get your inner child to trust you. There is a whole line of inner child work out there that I think is completely, uh, can I? It's explicit, yeah. go ahead. Bullshit. Right. Um, <laughs> bullshit. We check the E on the podcast thing, so feel free. Okay. <laughs> um, but it, it because it says, we're gonna go in and we're gonna learn how to talk to your child and we're gonna parent it and we're gonna make it happy and we're gonna manage it. And when it comes up, we're gonna have, no. We go in and we prove that it can trust us. We help it understand what it couldn't understand back there. We bring healing to it. We empower it to integrate and become part of us so it no longer exists. And you become a fuller, happier, healthier person through that process. You ain't not babysitting this kid for the next 20 years. <laughs> okay, you can but you won't be working with me, but nobody works with me on an ongoing basis regularly for 20 years. People work with me intensely, go away. When they're when they're ready, they come back, they work with me intensely. Oftentimes it's usually about 12 to 18 months of regular work. Sometimes depending on how much they wanna get through and how much they can handle, how much they can handle yeah. to get through. And then, you know, they may, you know, they'll do some little appointments here and there to stay on track. But I have people that were, that started as my clients 30 years ago that every five, six, seven years come back in for a couple of months. They're like, okay, something new came. And I knew where to go. Yeah, I love that. I have to tell you, I love that. When a client from 30 years ago calls me and says, I hit a bump. You were my first call. Mm, yeah. So, so the spiritual coaching and counseling and catalyst work 
is I give you tools and skill sets. Those are the tools. That's the coaching. I hold the energy for you to go into the wound and become more through the journey of it and become a greater and wholer self in that journey. And that's the counseling part. And the catalyst part is I stand there and hold your energy where and, and help you become more of who you're here to be. I help you expand. I truly look at every soul as a gift to humanity. And the percentage of that gift that we came in to give to humanity is the percentage of our true self we achieve in a lifetime. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the journey I help people taking. How far can I get? I have done everything from, I have somebody that I think they're now on their 25th anniversary of when they were supposed to be dead and came to me as a medical intuitive. And we did some work and they forgot to die on time. <laughs> um, to the mediumship, to I, I, have, I have worked and worked with clients with heavy sexual abuse issues. I've dealt with clients with cult abuse issues. Yes, there are cults out there. Yes, there are cults out there right in our country. Yes, there are horrible things happening to our children. And we either can be horrified or proactive. Mm. And ladies, guess which one I chose? Mm. Um, yeah. And then there are so many people that could help shift and are here to shift the world if they will take that journey. And then I'll take it with me. All of you heard me say, when I gave you things to do, I was very clear. This is something I could do, but I am not the only game in time. I am not here to tell you you have to work with me. I, I have had times when, you know, I don't right now, but it's probably pretty close, where I have a waiting list of people waiting for me to have regular slots open again. During the pandemic, I was doing 38 to 42 hours of clients every week wow. for 18 months. That was hardcore in-person time or Zoom yeah. time, phone time, yeah. every week, which goes back to the other metaphysical nickname that I got along the way, which was tank. I was told I was a tank. I was just a Sherman <laughs> tank, a psychic version of a Sherman tank. <laughs> so again ladies what else would you like to know i'm happy I, just, to I, I really like that um that okay so you know you have that option it's like okay so we all went in with this reading and you told us all this stuff and okay you sit with it for a while and then you you know okay is that something i want to i want to do a deep dive now so it's not like uh you're like bye you know yes they can come back and and work with you so i love that there's kind of those two two options and we i was saying that you know i can see myself like doing some work and then coming back and saying how do i look now you know what i mean, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like you know has it gotten any better you know <laughs> and again i do love also that um i think a lot of people do go to a, a psychic looking for all the good stuff you know and I think it's more powerful actually hearing the not as good stuff because that's the stuff that if you work on it, you're going to grow and you're going to expand. You know, and, uh, and it's 
the psychics that only give the good stuff that oftentimes uh excuse me while i become blunt because i've been so shy so far <laughs> um, the psychics that will only give i, I tell people if you go to a psychic it says i'll only tell you good things get your money back and leave right um but they're the ones that I have found historically have the biggest codependency issues. Mm. Because only telling people good stuff and what they want to hear is a surefire way to create a codependent relationship. I always tell people, look, I, I will tell you right now, I don't have the patience to work with you on a weekly basis ad nauseum for years and years and years. I, I would so like kill you before we would get that far because you would so irritate me. Because if you're that stuck and you're not moving forward, because if you're moving forward, you need to get away from me. I need to throw you out of that nest. You need to go fly with those new wings and then say, okay, I got the six foot wings. I'm ready for the eight foot wings. Come on back. Come on yeah. down. I can show you the eight foot wings, but you show me you can fly with the six foot wings and then we'll talk. But I'm not here to buy a, a vacation home in the Bahamas off your codependent nature that I'm feeding into because I'm a codependent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, these are unhealthy relationships. And I have clients that have horror stories of working with spiritual advisors and coaches. And people. Now, I first coined the term spiritual coach in 92 or 93. Nobody was using the word coach back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, and now it's a very common term and it's, and it's done like that. And I have been advised that I should think about dumping it, but it still fits the tools and the skill sets part of it that goes into, but it's, you know, it's so important and it's so important. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I stumble. I have places that I go. I always tell people, don't, you know, don't put me on an altar because every time somebody puts me on an altar, somebody lights incense and my ass gets burned. <laughs> like, I don't want to be on an altar. I am just somebody that's on the journey that knows a place that's further on your journey than you are in some way. And I can help you get to your version of it. Mm -hmm. Early on when I created this work, because I didn't want codependence and I didn't want psychic vampires and I didn't want energy leeches. So I started teaching classes. So I started teaching classes on reincarnation and ghost and psychic development. I mean, my psychic development class, 30, 32 years, my ghost class, 33, reincarnation, 31, all of these classes I've developed and taught for years and they're all available on DVD, plug, 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 um, <laughs> do it if you can't come see me in person um, or come to my cl a class I'm teaching in person. Um, but in these, um, but in this, it was always about how can I empower the person? And people would say, well, because I'm like, I won't do a series of psychic readings with you. I will cut you off. Can I tell you a funny story? Because yeah. <laughs> they've all been bland so far, I know. Um, but I was working at the shop. I was like pretty much the busiest or one of the busiest readers every time that I was there. This was still early on. And my this woman, Dara, that I talked about that was my first spiritual partner and spiritual wife for years. She's passed on now, but um, she, uh, uh, we had this woman and she kept on bouncing between, she would get a psychic reading from Dara and she'd get a psychic reading from me and she'd get a psychic reading from Dara. And then she goes like, and I was like, okay, this is enough. This is, she keeps on hoping that if she gets enough psychic readings, we'll tell her something different 
really <laughs> she wants. It was really clear to me. And so it was a busy Saturday and she came into this little shop and she went to book a psychic reading with me. And I had already told the clerk if she come in that I would not see her. And Dara was tied up. And uh, she hollered my name across the shop. And she said, what? What's the problem? Is my money not good enough for you? <laughs> and I looked right at her and I said, not for the price of my soul, honey. Get out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everybody stopped in the shop. The owner looked at me, who, who was a good friend, and she was the one that absolutely wanted me to come in and do this, and said, Kevin, can I talk to you for a moment? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I went in, and this woman was, was what I calculated out was making thousands of dollars a month off her percentage of my psychic readings. Thousands of dollars, which basically was all free money for her. And I never lost sight of that. Sometimes people in the spiritual community feel like they get disempowered by shop owners or they can get disempowered by people who somehow are business savvy and take advantage of by being a spiritual, which is like being a creative that oftentimes that doesn't include having a business sense or knowing your value or worth. Mm. And she said, you know, what was that about? And I said, she was, you know, I explained what she did. And she said, well, and I said, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you tell me that you think I have to do a reading that is out of my integrity, I'm done. I'm walking out now. I will find another place to work and we're done. We'll still be friends, but I will not go out of my integrity. And she was like, oh no, I wasn't going to say that at all. I was just like, Maybe we could do it a little quieter. And I said, okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> but that's a really good, that's a really good point because there are a lot of psychic mediums, animal communicators, whatever, that sure. I'll 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 tell you what you need to hear, like, like you've been kind of talking about. You, you know what I mean? That and and aren't gonna stay um being of service and and authentic and and in a place of integrity, you know? That it's just the it's just unfortunately the truth. Yep. Yep. I I feel you know i always say to people the reason i am still in business 33 years later is because i am in a spiritual business and it has the word spiritual and it has the word business mm. one if one wants to be in it then they need to run it like a spiritual business and when people say to me what do you do for work like you know i do networking events sometimes and different things and they say well what do you do for work I always say, I don't do work. I do joy. I get up every day and I get paid to be me. It doesn't get any better than that. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I have irritations. I have things. The hotel, I'm in Chicago right now, and the hotel internet went offline this morning, and I was trying to make sure it was up in time for the Zoom call. I was like, oh. does that bring me joy? No, but do I, <laughs> do I look at it and say, I am so grateful. I am just so getting to be me. And I want everybody to get to be them because when everybody gets to be them, we have created heaven on earth. That is heaven on earth. There is no more competition because if you're being you, no one can be a better you than you. 
we don't have all of these games and power over and greed and violence and hate and bigotry if everybody is actually being in their joy, mm. being who they are. Vibrating at a high frequency. Yeah. And so I look at my work, I always say, I'm never going to retire. I'll probably try to be finishing one more book or doing the notes on one more class or sending one more homework assignment. And yes, I do send homework when I work with people. <laughs> we'll work as hard as I do if you want to work with me. Um, <laughs> as they're putting the coffin lid down. I'll be like, hey, wait, wait, wait a second. Can you tell so-and-so? I want them to think about this and I'll be back from the other side for their answer. <laughs> That's great. Oh, that is great. Well, we have so much more to talk about with you, um, Dr. Kevin. So I think we are going to have to um, schedule another podcast when you have some availability. Yeah. Um, but this has been great. And I again, I'm so thankful that you were able to come on with us because you have such a long history, a depth, um, you know, using your gifts that we always tell people everybody has gifts, but not everybody either recognizes them, chooses to develop them, trust them. Um, so everybody is on different places in their journey. And we love that you have that long history. Um, it, it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Thank you so much for sharing everything today. You're also really fun to talk with. So there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we kind of appreciate the no what is the thing no holds bar no whatever that is we appreciate no holds bar. just spewing um <laughs> as we do uh so yeah we really appreciate that so thank that. you for coming on with us for this episode hopefully you'll be back again and yep. for all our listeners thank you so much uh for listening you can find all of dr kevin's info on our site at the site um yeah thepsychicwives.com. Yeah. I'm going to go through my Facebook. But you know where to find us. We've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. So thank you for listening uh, to this episode. And until next time, be well and be kind. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Psychic Wives podcast with Ginger Hendry, Jerry Carabin, and Kathy Rumsey, where we discuss everyday living with a twist. To learn more about us, please visit our website at www.thepsychicwives.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Psychic Wives. If you would like to support us, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and feel free to share our episodes with anyone you feel would benefit from listening. Sending you all peace, love, and light.